Welcome to the Orchard Podcast, a resource of Orchard Africa. The mission of Orchard Africa is to equip the church to care for the vulnerable. For three decades, a passionate community of churches, leaders, and donors have worked together to feed, educate, care for, and empower under-resourced communities in Southern Africa. To date, Orchard Africa and its partners have served over 10 million meals to families in need, cared for over 75,000 orphan children, and enrolled 8,000 children in high-quality early learning programs. All of this takes place through local African leaders to help communities move from survival to stability to sustainability. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Orchard Podcast, where we help you make a positive and sustainable difference in um, the, some of the greatest places of need in the world. My name is Brian Lemieux, and I'm the executive pastor of Orchard Africa, and I'm sitting here at the table with uh, Mike and Michelle Tessendorf, the co-founders of Orchard Africa. And if you haven't had a chance to meet Mike and Michelle yet, uh, Michelle is the CEO of Orchard Africa and provides day-to-day directional leadership over the whole scope of our ministry. And Mike uh, serves as our senior pastor and uh, provides uh, mentorship and leadership and direction for the Orchard Network, which are the pastors that we serve in, in South Africa. And so thank you um, for um, tuning in again. If uh, you're a returning listener to the podcast, if this is your first time, welcome. Um, Grateful to have you be a part of the conversation today. Uh, Mike and Michelle, um, uh, you guys are, uh, you kind of have your hands full this week. Uh, Just before we sat down here at the kitchen table, Michelle, you kind of quickly came through the door because uh, (laughs) you, uh, you're a, Grandma and Grandpa and uh, have lots of kids kind of around your home today. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Yeah, we do. <clears throat> this week, um, my son and daughter-in-law are away, and so we taking charge of these little kiddos. And, well, I got up super early this morning. I really did. <laughs> and I thought I'd have a lot of time to get these three kids ready for school and I thought we'd get to school nice and early. Well, we got to school as <laughs> the bell rang. <laughs> so something went wrong somewhere along the line. It's a lot harder. I've forgotten what it's like to get little kids ready for school. Yeah, the dynamics of having children and being a part of their lives is just so different from what we used to. I took my eldest grandson off to tennis coaching yesterday. And as we walked up to the court, he was the first one there. And the coach said, hey, Graham, you brought your OP to come and see how well I coach. <laughs> I said to the coach, no, he brought me along because I'm the driver. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it feels like this whole week. I was just being a taxi driver and providing food, and that's it. (laughs) Trying to to give my grandkids back alive to their parents when they get back. (laughs) So we have this little slice of time uh, in between pickups and uh, and lunches and all that to... uh, have a conversation about um, missions and ministry, and um, we're, looks, we're, we're excited for uh, this conversation today because uh, we're going to talk about um, a topic that's uh, so important in, in understanding God's heart uh, missionally. And the way that we do missions uh, re- really uh, makes a difference in, um, in the outcomes. And sometimes there's a uh, there's a wrong way to do the right thing. Mm. Yeah, <clears throat> that's a good way of putting it, yes. So we're going to be talking about human dignity and having a posture of dignity in 
um, the work of missions in the work that we do when we're on a mission trip or just in the way that we think about missions, big picture, that um, coming from a perspective of uh, the dignity and worth of every person. Yeah. I want to start out by giving a definition of dignity. And uh, it goes like this. Uh, dignity is the state or quality of being worthy of respect and honor. Mm-hmm. It's the state or quality of being worthy of respect and, and honor. And I think one of the first things that comes to my mind when I think of dignity is I think of a, a dignitary. You know, yeah. somebody who uh, has a high position. Mm. And uh, when they walk in the room, uh, instantly they're taken care of, their, their needs are noticed, mm-hmm. um, they're, uh, they're given the, the best seat at the table. Um, and so someone who is dignified or somebody who has um, that status of dignity uh, gets a different kind of, uh, is per- perceived in, it, in, mm. a, in a different way. And, mm. and from a mission standpoint, uh, theologically, we, th- we look at uh, how God looks at humanity mm-hmm. and he, he sees dignity and worth in, in all people and right. in, in, in every human in, in that same level of the, the dignitary that, walk, that walks in the room. And so that definition started m- me to think about you know, what does God think when it comes to, to dignity and, and worth? And I know, Mike, you, you, you found a definition as well. Yeah, this, yeah we, 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 when we're involved in ministry, mission, uh, any kind of um, uh, activity that's directed at serving people, uh, helping people in some way, which I believe all of us are. Um, This definition speaks a little bit more to us. It says, dignity is the right of a person to be valued and respected for their own sake. I think that's something important to bear in mind whenever we are serving people or thinking about serving people, that they have a right, no matter what their state, no matter what they need, no matter what their circumstances, Mm. they still have a right to be valued and respected for their own sake. And then it goes on to say, and to be treated ethically. Mm. And I think sometimes our our good intentions kind of overshadow that uh, uh, um, realization that these are still humans who have worth and still have a right to be treated ethically, even though their circumstances may be so, so bad and, and, and just distressful. Yeah, I like that. I like both those definitions. They, they really have um, some depth to them. And a word that sticks out to me is respect. Mm. Um, when we respect people, we're offering them dignity. Uh, when we respect ourselves, we're offering ourselves dignity. Mm. And I think uh, when we uh, embrace respect of others as part of our day-to-day Christian walk, part of who we are as Christ followers, uh, mm-hmm. that sense of dignity will be there in the way we treat others and the way we treat ourselves because of that word respect. Mm. Um, and I, I think that that's an important word mm. out of mm. both of mm. those. Mm. Certainly worthy is, is there, worthy mm. of that respect and worthy of that honor. Mm-hmm. And when we think about those words, respect, worth, dignity, it really goes to the core of our Christian faith, that worth and dignity and and human dignity uh, starts in the 
in the first book of um, the scriptures, in, in the book of Genesis, where okay. it says that Genesis one twenty seven. so God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And I think uh, dignity and worth uh, begins with this reality that we were all made in the image of God. And God, by the, fierce, uh, the, the sheer fact that uh, he is God, uh, I mean, he has the greatest dignity. He is the, he's the greatest dignitary. Dignitary, right. Yeah. And we are made in his image. And so regardless of someone's economic status, um, their successfulness, whether they made good choices or bad choices in their life, mm-hmm. no matter where they live or um, what they have or they don't have, it, their dignity has nothing to do with those things. It has only to do with the fact that, that God made them mm. in his image. Mm. And so by that mm. reality, they, they're people of worth. Right, yeah, they're, the, we, image, we all are people they're the image bearers of the living God, and that alone uh, res- is respectful and is due respect mm. and honor. Mm. I came across a quote um, of uh, Nelson Mandela, who I believe everybody knows, one of the great legends of South African history, and he, he made this statement and said, um, any person who tries to take away my dignity will lose. And uh, mm. the, the, the thought struck me in that statement is uh, people that we serve in ministry and in mission are often those that are without in so many ways. But the one thing that they, sh- they all still have because they are created in the image of God and because they are human beings is their dignity. And I think sometimes we inadvertently think that People who have little have also little dignity. But the definition that I read earlier said they've got a right to be treated ethically. Mm-hmm. And that means that we respect their dignity, we respect their privacy, we respect their choices. And even though we might have good solutions to their problems, when we start uh, imposing our will or we start um, implementing our ideas on what we think should be the solution to their problem without respecting their choices and their privacy, then we are actually minimizing their dignity. Yes. And if Nelson Mandela is right, we end up losing. Mm. We might think we did a good thing, but actually that person is pushing back and saying, hey, you're trying to take away my dignity. Stop. Yeah. Yeah, I think any time we impose our will on others, even if it's done in a compassionate way and it's done for all the good reasons you started off, Brian, saying that even if we do what were your words, that we do the right thing in the wrong way, yeah. mm. um, it is this aspect of not respecting the other person's choices and desires. But then a question that is popping around in my head as we talk is what happens if a person is acting in an undignified way? Mm. Uh, we talk about everybody Mm. having dignity and they do but all of us at some point in our life behave in a way that is undignified Uh, what then what has the scripture got to say then Uh, and how do we behave towards somebody (laughs) who is being Mm. undignified Mm. Um, (coughs) well could I throw in a thought there Mm. Um, Mm. thinking about some of Jesus' inter- interactions with people who might not have been behaving like they should. 
uh, they brought him a woman who was caught in adultery. Clearly, that was not the right kind of behavior. And yet the way Jesus responded to her was, um, as I read into the scripture and just think about the situation, uh, he never, ever violated and minimized her self-worth as a person. He never um, judged mm. her dignity, even though her actions were wrong. And if I think about the way Jesus uh, treated her with, with compassion and with mercy yeah. and with, with justice, maybe that should guide the way we behave when somebody is not behaving in a dignified way. Um, I don't think actions and self-worth are necessarily the same thing. Actions may be wrong, but self-worth of a person is still rooted in the fact that mm. God created that person. Yeah. And therefore we treat them honorably and, and respectfully mm. and without uh, judgment and criticism. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of, of one of the things that you and I have made a part of our life is uh, we, we've coined a phrase that we treat people with the opposite spirit. So if somebody is um, uh, angry toward us or nasty or uh, whatever it is that we perceive um, should, you know, is hurting mm -hmm, us, mm -hmm. instead of responding in the same way, you and I have often said to each other, let's just respond in the opposite spirit. Mm, mm. It kind of reminds me of that scripture that says that a soft answer turns away anger. Mm. And when you um, treat somebody who's, being undignified and you treat them th with dignity, with the opposite spirit, it has this calming effect. Mm. It has this way of reminding the person of their own dignity. Mm. I know that if I'm angry and I'm behaving in an undignified way and, uh, Mike, you talk to me in a soft tone, it reminds mm. me of my worth and dignity and therefore I change. So that idea of respecting people enough uh, to bring out the good in them. Mm. Mm. Well, let's talk about what dignity isn't. Uh, what does it mean to not treat people with dignity? And sometimes when in the context of missions, in the context of ministry and helping people, we can do that in, uh, in ways we, we aren't aware of. Um, and, and yet uh, the effect is still there, that we, we've helped in a way that was um, not respecting their, uh, as you said, Mike, their rights, their, mm. uh, their own self um, uh, choices. And so, um, you know, what, what, what is it uh, that uh, takes away dignity in the way that we serve? I would say one of the things is when we objectify people and again um, ministry is about serving mission is about serving and so they are always recipients or beneficiaries or, or you know those those that we are there to to help but when we start seeing those people who we set out to serve as an instrument to achieve an end for ourselves in other words, we're going to report back on how great we did. We're going to mm. show how many people we ministered to, how many people said yes to Jesus. All of those things that we like to take photos of and, and put in our um, missions reports and you know feedback to the congregation, mm. all that kind of thing. Uh, when people that we serve become an object to achieve a means for us, uh, that's objectification. And when we objectify people, um, that is, again, minimizing and, and taking away 
their dignity. And so people shouldn't be goals mm. yeah. mm. for, our, for our benefit. People should be recipients of service and love for their benefit. Mm. Yeah, and, and that's a hard one. You, you're right uh, when you say that they shouldn't be part of our goals. We all set out at the beginning of the year or at the end of the year, we've just as an organization come back from uh, a staff retreat and figuring out what do we want to achieve next year. Um, there's that tension that must be managed between uh, making sure that as an organization we're actually achieving what we set out to achieve, mm. but at the same time keeping in mind what you said, Mike, that we don't objectify people and, and somehow blunderingly forget about the people we're serving in order to reach our goals. Mm. And I think we've seen that uh, during the whole COVID thing where uh, we set out goals, but they, they had to change mm. because of the way we love people and the way we um, serve people. We couldn't just keep doing what we were going to mm. do regardless mm. of anything. Mm. We had to step back and say, how do we serve people where they're at now, not what we set out to do at the beginning of the year. Mm. Things have changed mm. and the way we love them, the way we serve them has to look different. Yeah, and it should be for their ultimate well-being, not for our acclaim. Yeah, or for pictures of our annual report. Right, right. right. That, that's objectifying them. Yes. And speaking of pictures, I think for me, this is one of those areas that's really um, important to me. We all know that a picture paints a thousand words. Mm. And uh, when we have a compassionate donor or a compassionate congregation who gives intermissions, we want to be able to feed back uh, the results of their compassion and the results of their generosity. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to take photographs. And so we have hungry children, and so we take photographs mm -hmm. of mm. us feeding these hungry children. You know, they're eating. There's these uh, beautiful pictures. And it's not that we um, – there's no dignity in taking a picture of a child that is happily eating uh, what we've provided. It's the way we take the photos. It's the story we tell in the pictures that we yes. take. And as an organization, we have um, made it very clear that we will never use pictures where we've intruded on somebody else's private moment. Mm. So if a child, for example, is crying and somebody happens to take a photo of that, that's a private mm. moment of that mm. child. And just because we happen to get a picture of it doesn't mean that we, we can use mm. it. Mm -hmm. And... Um, Sometimes a, a crying child will really pull at the heartstrings of a donor. But for Orchard Africa, those are not the donors that we want. We want donors who are giving uh, thoughtfully and respectfully, not just an emotional pull mm -hmm. because of a photograph we took. And so the photographs that we use are the ones of children who are happily engaged in our projects. Um, if you look at our website or any of our annual reports, it's photographs that tell about the dignity of people and not those sad moments, those private moments, those mournful moments, which uh, can tell a very uh, engaging story, but that's not the story that we choose to tell. We, 
we choose to tell the story of human dignity. Um, and so I do think oftentimes when people go on a mission trip or we engaged in missions, uh, sometimes we forget that these are real lives mm -hmm. and real human beings and real moments. And uh, we should probably put our photographs, our cameras away mm. and <clears throat> engage with the person, make eye contact and not think so much about the photos we want to take home and show our family. There's nothing wrong with the photos we want to show our families. But again, it's that sense of uh, human dignity where rather than taking a photograph, children, and we've noticed in the villages where we serve, children like to be goofy in front of a photograph. <laughs> if they know somebody's mm. taking mm. their picture, they start acting up and being mm. all goofy, which mm. is fine. That, that, that's what kids do. Even my grandkids do that. But... I think there are times where we put away our phone and we make eye contact and we engage in the moment and in the respectful dignity of that child mm. in that time mm -hmm. or that elderly person or that teenager or whoever it is that we went to minister to mm -hmm. and perhaps not go home with hundreds of photographs. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, one, one thought that comes to mind as you share that uh, is that when we take a picture, we... We, we're getting a, we're capturing a moment. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when we tell the story based on that one moment, it gives a really one dimensional picture of their story and of, yeah. of their identity. And so if we take a picture of this child in need, well, that's only one aspect of their mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. But what we're inadvertently communicating is um, that's all that they are is poor yeah. or in need or suffering. But just like every other human, they have a three-dimensional life. There's, yeah. there's right. good moments and bad moments and m places where they have great need and places where they're incredibly gifted, places where they're struggling and places where they're resilient. And the challenge or the barrier that, that sometimes pictures have is it, it gives this incomplete story. And so, uh, not that we don't ever take pictures, but... Mm -hmm being mindful of their privacy yes, is, uh, is key. If, you know, if somebody came into my home and I'm just getting out of bed and <laughs> they start taking pictures of me, I'm going to be a little upset. <laughs> For and sure. Would I want sure. that on Instagram? No. Yeah. And we have to think about being in other people's shoes and, and foreign land, lands. And sometimes we just forget that when we're in the a place that's different, a different country, a different setting completely, and we mm. kind of forget what it's like to be in other people's yeah. shoes. Yeah, and I do think that sometimes when we go on a mission trip to a foreign land, uh, it's what I call the Disneyland effect, where mm. we, we forget that it's real. We, we, we're so enjoying being in this foreign place that we forget that it's not Mickey Mouse, uh, you know, with the person inside. It's these are real, real people with real stories, as you said, not just one-dimensional stories. Mm. Uh, they have very real stories with lots of wins and gains in their life and good things. And let's not just objectify their poverty mm. for our gain. Mm. Mm. Um, one of the things at Orchard Africa is that we have a set of core values, as I'm sure most organizations do. Um, but one of the core values that we very early on uh, embraced is what we call respectful compassion. We've been using that word respect quite a lot. And I thought I'd like to read it just to um, help people understand 
this idea of compassion. Just because we're behaving in a compassionate way doesn't necessarily make it the right way, back to what you said. And so our core value of respectful compassion reads this way. The outworking of our compassion towards the poor embraces utmost respect for those we serve. We always display our compassion in a way that is of the highest respect, as if we were ministering to our own mothers, fathers, Mm. children, or siblings. We are always aware that blundering compassion responses can hurt people. Thus, we prayerfully seek God and his wisdom to mold our emotional responses into true compassion that is respectful. Our compassion leads us to respond in ways that brings glory to God. And I think sometimes our compassion uh, or our emotional responses is um, something that can get us into trouble. I think we've all seen mm-hmm. that when we become yeah. very emotional mm-hmm. about anything in life. Uh, sometimes we're not thinking clearly. And so we need to be very careful that our compassion, our emotional compassionate, compassionate responses, we step back and say, what is the dignity in this for the other person? How do I respect them? As you said, Brian, you don't want somebody taking photos of you just mm-hmm. as you wake up. Mm-hmm we should treat those that we've gone to serve as if they were our own mothers and fathers and brothers and siblings and children. Mm. And I certainly wouldn't want my children plastered all over social media without my permission. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially if they were caught in a vulnerable moment. Mm. And so I do think that we need to be very careful of how we respond and that respect is such a big Mm. part of... Uh, missions hmm. and you know it's it's not just about photographs we've been speaking about invading people's privacy or, or minimizing dignity by the photos that we take but sometimes even in our compassionate actions we, uh, we the, the emotional response that you mentioned we, we respond based on what our emotions are telling us to do I remember many many years ago uh, in the middle of the AIDS pandemic uh, we took a, mich- a few mission team members to the home of a lady who was literally on her deathbed. I mean, sh- she she was so ill with AIDS, mm. she couldn't get up, she was bedridden, she was skinny, she had sores breaking out all over her. And the, the, the mission team members that went in to pray for her and minister to her suddenly felt like, we've got to do something to help this lady. And so they, they set her up and they gave her some medication to help, mm-hmm. uh, pain medication. And the result of that was that she threw up. Um, and their act of compassion actually turned out to be something that could have been really, really dangerous because mm-hmm. we all n- knew at the time that exposure to body fluids is where the HIV virus is, is, is contracted. And so here was a well-meaning, loving mm. group of people that just emotionally broke down when they saw the need of this lady and did something that they thought was the right thing to do, but they forgot about that person's choices, that mm. person's privacy, mm. and what was good for them, mm. and did instead what was good for their emotions, their, at their the emotional time. Uh, mm. need. Mm. And so it's, it's so easy to get caught up in disrespectful responses when we don't step back for a moment and just think, mm. how is compassion going to be respectful mm. instead of just emotional? Mm. Mm. And one just quick phrase uh, I think that's helpful to a team is just 
ask permission yes. before you do anything. Yes. Um, even in that moment of prayer, sometimes uh, someone is sick and someone just goes and lays on hands. Well, ask permission first. Is it okay if I place my hand on your shoulder mm. and, and pray for you? Mm. And, and to really trust the partner and your host in those settings to be able to say, we'd, we'd like to do this. Is this the right step to take? And right. in that moment, um, to be able to say, well, actually, no. Yeah. Um, this yeah. is, she's actually being taken care of by a, a care worker. Mm. Right. And to respect that person's role and education and, uh, and training. Yeah, I think that's good. This idea of respect, it just, we keep uh, referring to it. And um, the scripture in Psalms 138 verse 6 says, Though the Lord is on high, yet he respects the lowly. Well, there's nobody higher than God. And if God himself respects the lowly, then surely those of us who Mm -hmm. claim to be the followers of Christ should be respectful of the lowly as well. Um, those that we deem to be lowly because they're poor or whatever it mm. is. Mm. Um, and I think this is where we, uh, as an organization and as uh, mission leaders and church leaders, uh, part of our responsibility in that leadership role is to uh, train and equip those who are giving to understand that um, the long-term outcome is development of people, to Mm. get them from the point where they are in need of relief to the point where they no longer need relief. And that process is development. It's so easy to give feedback to a donor or to a congregation who's given. Um, It's easy to give back relief uh, photographs mm-hmm. and statistics, you know. Uh, there were a hundred hungry children. We bought X amount uh, pounds of food and we fed these children and we took photographs and that's easy. The difficult part is to, in photographs, uh, tell the story of development mm. because it takes time and you can't really capture development. How do you do mm-hmm. that? How mm-hmm. do you capture that process of taking a person from where they need relief to the point where they have agency and can take care of themselves. And if we can uh, help Mm. our donors and our congregation members to almost wean people off the need for these photographs and stories of relief and help our congregation see that we're in this for the long term, humans uh, don't change overnight and we all have areas in our life where we need to develop and we expect other people to give us time to develop. Mm -hmm. And in the same way, we should be respectful of those who need to go from one point to another point and the process of getting there should be respectful. Um, Alternatively, Mm -hmm. we're going to end up with donors who forever give to relief and we'll never get beyond that. Mm. Helping people to... um have agency and discover the the rights and opportunities and gifts that they have uh, it's like a a mirror that's pointing to the way that God has made them of people of worth and uh, so critical in 
respecting people and helping them to see that we're not bringing them dignity. They've already had it. Mm-hmm. You know, that, and some people have said, well, I, I just want to go and bring dignity to X people. Yeah. Well, no, that based on the sheer fact that they're made by God, they, they already have that dignity, but sometimes they need to be shown that. Yes. And the capacity that they have and the steps that they can take. And, and for us to come in with a posture of, um, of learning mm-hmm. and a posture of um, in the midst of their development, sometimes we need to be in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes on a mission trip, there's this part of you that wants to be the one who brings the solution. Mm. Mm. But instead to be the one that is um, content to be uh, in the background supporting, assisting yeah. as as they develop and as they take their steps. Yeah, that's very good. Kind of reminds me of um, something that the Jewish rabbi Abraham Heschel said. He said, labor without dignity is the cause of misery. Mm. And when we go on a mission trip and we labor without dignity, we, it's, it causes misery in our life and in the life of those that we serve. Um, so I like that. Just to get back to what you were saying earlier about development uh, as opposed to relief. We've spoken about this in one of the previous podcasts of uh, three different processes of, of ministering to those who are disadvantaged. And uh, we can do things to people, we can do things for people, or we can do things with people. Uh, the two and four aspects generally a- involves relief. Um, <clears throat> And that's where we get the good photos of what we're doing to or what we're doing for people. We, we say we're helping them, but actually all we're doing is, is, is depicting the relief that we've provided, uh, which when we leave, the relief goes away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we do things with people, uh, that gives them agency. It means we're considering what they think is important. We're considering their ideas. We're considering what uh, needs they might be aware of that we don't see because we've just come in as a new observer to the situation. Mm -hmm. But when we start doing things with people, I I believe that provides them with dignity Mm -hmm. because it means that we respect them and what they think Mm -hmm. rather than just imposing on them what we think. Right, and and we're then behaving in a dignified Absolutely. way. So we, we, the word dignity then is for both parties mm. when we do things with one another. Mm. Mm. One of the famous uh, passages of the New Testament is when Jesus makes this uh, unusual statement where he talks about serving the poor and visiting the stranger and caring for the sick. And, and he said... Um, Jesus speaking, he, he was a rabbi, so he was due respect, and he was given dignity uh, by those who followed him. And and he, he said, if you really want to live a dignified life in your service and you want to dignify others, then when uh, you're wanting to serve me, if you, when you're wanting to serve God, uh, when you're wanting to establish worth and dignity to the one who made us and saved us, then uh, you do that by giving dignity and worth to to the least of these, to to those in need, to those that struggle and um, in your backyard and in other places in the world. And, and Jesus said that when uh, you care for the sick and you you feed the hungry and you visit the stranger, 
when you do that, you know, you're really, you're doing that to me. You're, mm. you're dignifying me mm. in, in the midst of that. And so theologically, scripturally, uh, it really is core to what does it mean to um, love our neighbor and love God, to do that rightly. Uh, it's central to what it means to, to follow Jesus. And as Mike, you said, when you look at the, the life and stories and ministry of Jesus over and over and over again, he's giving us a picture of uh, how to uh, respect, love, show compassion in, in the right way. Yes. Yeah. To right love way. your neighbor as you love yourself. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're in a, uh, either a position where uh, you're in missions or, or maybe you're, uh, you're a donor or you've been on a mission trip. And so we invite you this week to be thinking about uh, how might God be uh, inviting you to, to live a missional life that brings dignity uh, in the way that you serve and, uh, and reflects the dignity of, those that, uh, of the people that you serve. And so um, thank you for uh, listening in and thank you for um, being a part of this journey with us as we uh, explore life and ministry and mission together. And um, we want to thank those who, uh, who give and serve um, with Orchard. And uh, it, it makes a, an impact as, uh, as you give and appreciate those in our Orchard community who, um, who make a commitment to equipping the church to care for the vulnerable. So thank you for um, being a part of this conversation and um, we look forward to uh, future conversations ahead. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.